How about that cigar? How about that cigar? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 147 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and for those of you listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your regular audio podcast rotation. As always, we are live here in the Drew Estate Cigar Studios, and let's talk once again about the beautiful new Drew Estate Acid 20 Connecticut Toro. A smooth, mellow, sweet, and aromatic Acid 20 Connecticut Toro, which features a stately Connecticut shade wrapper, flavorful Indonesian binder, and bold Nicaraguan filler tobaccos, resulting in an extraordinary and exceptional smoking experience. Acid 20 Connecticut is a 6x54 Toro, all chromed out in 20-count boxes with an MSRP of $10.75 per cigar, they are now available to all premium tobacco retailers. For more info, please visit DrewEstate.com. All right. So, Garrett, talk to us a little bit about where you are broadcasting from this evening. So, I took a 19... Let me, uh, let me rephrase. My wife and I just celebrated 19 years of marriage. Congratulations. And- Thank you. And we took a trip to New Orleans to not only commemorate that, but also to meet uh, our UK buddy, John Strange, and his wife. So it has been unbelievable. Nice. The the food, the people, um, amazing city. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it's. Uh, I have not been to New Orleans since. I've only been one time, and it was New Year's. So, uh, the end of the last couple of days in '93, and the first couple of days in '94, um, and uh, that was back in my younger days when I partied extremely hard most of the time. I don't remember much of the trip. Um, I remember some parts that were really, really fun and other parts I don't really remember so strongly, but, uh, I hope to make it back to that city someday. Cause I do remember it's, loving a lot of it. It's fantastic. And I got to tell you, so, uh, it's actually Mardi Gras going on right now. Uh, oh, we, that's right. We thought that we were going to miss you know, <laughs> that it was going to be the week before. So it's a little busy. Well, so they do parades, uh, Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. So you get a couple day break uh, today. You could get to the French quarter without going through a maze uh, of everything. But yesterday, Jill and I went and walked down to the French quarter and saw some parades. We got a ton of beads um, and I didn't have to show my boobies once. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. But you still got beads because of your hat. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you have been paying close attention. You probably haven't been paying close attention to local sports while you've been traveling. And I don't blame you really. Uh, the, the wild one last night. Yeah. Um, I I mean, we beat a very mediocre team, like seven to three, I think. Um, but, uh, things are looking up. I mean, they are definitely, uh, like we keep saying, I think they're, I think they're on the right track getting towards, you know, the second, well, the final third, of, we'll say the final third of the season because um, it's a, you know, the season only goes through what mid-April ish somewhere in there. Regular season, that is. Hopefully we get a playoff spot. 
I think we will. I think we're oh, on track to get a playoff. Absolutely. Spot. Yeah. As um, long as well, and just I mean, we were talking about our goalie. Um, you know, either last week or the week before. Yeah. And then the other night, uh, he gave up a ball's ton. So. Well, and last night, yeah, it's the it's a whole debate between Talbot versus Kakinen as a goalie, and even last night against a pretty mediocre team, uh, Kakinen still gave up three goals, three. but their their guy gave up seven. Right. Um, and I think I think they swapped goalies somewhere in there. I believe they pulled the goalie and put in the other guy. I don't I don't really know for for certain. Um, and as, this is kind of a sad thing is normally we'd also be at least mentioning the fact that pitchers and catchers are reporting for mm-hmm. for spring training and the, they're not because, yeah, the lockout is real and yep. there nobody's doing anything baseball wise. And that's really Yay, MLB. Yeah, it's it's kind of a bummer, but, you know. What are you going to do? Um, hopefully they can work out their differences soon and get back to playing baseball. But I have a feeling I, I, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just looking at the the way everything is going. I don't think we're going to see a season this year. Like zero season. Well, oh, really? Not even like what we had in, what was it? Uh, I don't, I don't think we're even going to, yeah, I don't think we're even going to see a reduced season. I think there will be zero baseball in 2022. Way to bring me down. Sorry. (laughs) I hope I'm wrong. I want so desperately to be wrong because I want to go get back to the ballpark and see some ball games. But it'll have to be, I think, uh, St. Paul Saints games for us. Not terrible trade-off. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that any day of the week. Um, So let's get to our special guest of the evening. And guys, on How About That Cigar Live, you know that special guests are always brought to us by our friends at Corona Cigar Company. Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit CoronaCigar.com and FloridaSungrown.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you would please put your hands together and welcome to episode 147 of How About That Cigar Live, Gerard from Jake Wyatt Cigar Company. Brother, welcome to the show. Hola, hola. Anybody hear me? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. Good, good. We were having some difficulties. I solved it. It's all solved. It's all worked it out. How you doing tonight, brother? Oh, man. I got a cigar, and I'm doing pretty good right now, hanging out. Nice. So, yeah. so give us uh, tell. Is that your office that you're broadcasting from right now? Yeah, this is the lounge. Okay. Um, so we are sitting in our little private lounge revealed here at our office. So I can. 
have a smoke. Very nice. And what did you uh, what did you fire up uh, to be on the show tonight? <clears throat> Herbert Spencer from Jake Wyatt. This is uh, a six by fifty four Toro, and this is our Maduro by our gourmet collection because we have two collections. So this is our first collection, and this is the Maduro. Very um, nice. And uh, before I cut my cigar, I wanted to show it. Um, so we've got the Appendix 2. And for anyone who hasn't had a Jake Wyatt cigar, I want to say a couple things. Um, doing this kind of design work on a cigar for some may look gimmicky, but let me tell you, this is anything but a gimmick. This is like when a chef puts a beautiful swipe of sauce on a plate. <laughs> this is elevating the artistry of the cigar and it is a work of art, um, what, what they're doing here. so. I just want to emphasize that. If no, you see it, a it absolutely White, is. And you're a thousand percent right. And we are totally going to get to that. But first, I need to light a cigar. And I'm going to light a cigar right now. I'm going to light the Herbert Spencer Robusto. And I'm going to do it with our handy dandy toast cam. When lighting your cigar, it's important to be patient, pay close attention to detail, and focus on the tobacco. In the same way, Steve Saka brings those same qualities to the ultra-premium cigars of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. Patience, close attention, and focus on the tobacco are the qualities that Saka and Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust have become known for. From Sombra Mesa to Umbagad, Dunbarton has a blend that will fit your palate, your mood, and any occasion. Visit DunbartonCigars.com to learn more. There we go. And I did better with the toast can than last week. Last week, if you guys remember, I, I totally torched the shit out of the side of a cigar last Dude. week. This week, nice and smooth this week. So uh, so um, before we get into, and, and Garrett's 100% right about the, the artistry, and, and um, there's such a cool, unique look to um, many of the cigars in the, in, in the Jake Wyatt lineup, but um, before we kind of get into that, we, especially if it's somebody that we haven't had on the show before, we love finding out people's stories and how people got, you know, how people got into this whole world of, of premium cigars. So, uh, Gerard, just give us kind of your, your origin story as far as your first time you had a cigar, when you got involved in the business and how you are, how you became part of the cigar hobby. Um, we started as retailers, so I was, gosh, in the, in the early 90s, mid-90s, uh, my dad got in the cigar business during the boom, and um, he always enjoyed cigars. And I was 19 years old, and <clears throat> he, he had an Aero del Mundo, a Dominican one, and he cut it in half, and then he uh, said, you know, here's a cigar, and I didn't really care for it. And he's like, all right, take a bite of this watermelon because it was summertime and we we're outside in the backyard and took a bite of the watermelon and to take a puff and i was like oh okay this is a lot more palatable um so that's how it kind of started we began as retailers um 
and I uh, started helping my dad with the business. And at some point, we had uh, a few shops in the California area, and a tobacco tax uh, truly, truly increased uh, the cost of doing business in California, which was really turning me off. So I kind of said, I'm done with the cigar business, kind of broke my dad's heart a little bit, but he moved to Florida and uh, he continued his gig, but he left the store here in California as a backup plan, which I was managing because meanwhile, I was uh, pursuing my fire career um, at the time. And <clears throat> at some point while I was uh, pretty deep into my career, my father passed away and I wasn't really sure what the heck to do with his business because I wasn't really focused uh, in the cigar business. So I uh, tried to sell it, but I was just getting two low bids. And uh, I reached out to my <clears throat> my right-hand man, which is Neil, which is my partner now. <clears throat> and we said, let's embark online, which eventually landed us doing some exclusive stuff with uh, smaller boutique companies which landed us in the Dominican Republic. And that's where we fell in love or, uh, or, or, or I fell in love again with the industry because of what was going on in the Dominican Republic. And people were like, you know, you should come up with your own stick. And I uh, visited a lot of manufacturers and everybody can make you a stick there. It's just, but what I wanted, I just couldn't find anybody doing what I wanted uh, because you know, when you make a blend, you have to revise it so many times. Um, I just didn't want to, you know, waste people's time with my, uh, I wouldn't really call it neurotic, but I can be neurotic sometimes and I want to go back and forth. And um, so we had to get our own factory going. And that's where I started uh, learning how to create blends and learning how to sort out tobacco and learning to differentiate, you know, new tobacco from old tobacco. And uh, that's how it basically started in a nutshell. And um, so we have our own factory down in the Dominican. Nice. And um, talk to us a little bit about the the company name, Jake Wyatt, because um, you never know from one company to the next, you know, what, sometimes people name the brand after themselves. Sometimes they they just pick a famous landmark that's nearby the factory. Right. And, and so how did you come up with the name? Um, <clears throat> Jake is uh, Neil's son and Wyatt is my son. And we throw out a lot of different names out there. And when I took, you know, the two names together, uh, it just sounded really, really good. And the reason why I even chose or Neil and I even chose to have Jake and Wyatt, our son's name. Um, it just resonated with a lot of what we're about, you know, um, being professionals, being gentlemen, um, having a clean name. It just, it resonated very, very well. And it represented our boys. So, um, you know, we kind of like shoved it under the rug for a little bit and then we tried to come up with some other stuff that was trendy. It just wasn't really resonating with our personality. And then I just said, you know what, just Jake Wyatt, I'm sticking to it. I really like the name Jake Wyatt. And, um, 
you know, it means a whole lot to us. It means legacy. Uh, it's clean. It's pronounceable. It's very bold. It's masculine. Uh, not to take away from, you know, a feminine side of the business, but it's just this is who we are. And that's why we wanted to go with Jake Wyatt Cigar Company. Nice. No, I like that. And and um, Garrett already brought it up, and I want I want Garrett to take the wheel on on this kind of qu- line of questioning because I th- I think it's a really cool part of, um, of of your company when it comes to the design elements because you know companies have been doing it for a while, but you guys really have made a part of your sort of signature. So. Um, Garrett, jump into um, what you were, where you were kind of going before. Yeah, and and to kind of back up a little bit, I just wanted to mention something quick before I cut that beautiful tip off. Um, and, and wow, that sounds awesome. It sounds great. Um, I love it. <laughs> but going back, so uh, Gerard, as you guys are, you know, as you're getting into blending and you are creating cigars, you obviously start with the cigar first, right? You get a blend that you like. When did you have the idea to throw that extra artist flair in there? And what did that process look like for you guys? Um, That wasn't something that I really had in mind at first because I was so obsessed with creating the blend, but the design, one of our rollers, you know, wanted to make a cigar for me and Neil, and um, he, he he didn't speak, he doesn't speak any English, but he kept on saying that he has a gift for us. He has a gift for us, and to my uh, to my friend, that's the translator. And uh, I said, okay, okay. And then finally, he came out with a cigar that had the JW logo on it. And then he came out with a cigar for Neil with the Major League Baseball logo on it because Neil played baseball professionally for a while until his injury and he had to exit. And I was like, what is going on here? And then I was uh, told that he loves to do a lot of art on cigars. That's his thing. He, he, he prides himself on being the best artist in the neighborhood and he can make anything you want on a cigar. And I was like, huh. And at the time, uh, I was very intrigued because, you know, being an online uh, uh, retailer, because we're also retailers, right? Um, It's all about Instagram. It's all about that hot new item. Um, You know, whatever looks good on the picture is going to sell. So when it comes to the bands, it comes to the packaging, it's it's a huge, huge um, leg up to other products when you're trying to make sales, right? So when I saw that and I was like, well, what does he make? And he kind of started showing me pictures on his phone. And so I was like, wait a minute, man, can you do this all the time? He's like, this is all I want to do. That's all he likes to do is just do the artisanal accents on cigars. And he just kept showing off, you know, like I can do this, I can do this and this and this and that. And he just like, just going crazy with his exacto knife. It was like, and it was scissors <laughs> hands, you know? Yeah. And, um, so that's how we came up with like i was like well dude, if this is what he likes to do then i want definitely to be able to uh put something together that is not too complex but can be mimicked over and over and over without the high hand-eye coordination fatigue factor yeah and, and that's how we came up with the design um he just kept introducing things and then we had to definitely modify it because 
the designs that he was giving me was all uh, open-ended. And what I mean by that, mm. as you can see right here on the, the dot, like before the dot, it was just a line. It just like, it was a line and it just stopped. Okay. So I was like, well, we need to close. It just, it was unfinished. So we did a dot. And then he was like, okay, well, how about if I put another dot within the oh, dot? Oh, yeah. And we're yeah. like, okay. You know, and then at the bottom, you know, the foot, you know, it was same thing. So we had to really modify the designs and therefore make sure that it can be taught to others because he's the only one that knows how to do this. So we wanted to show um, others, hey, can you teach him how to do this so he can so we can keep up production? And um, there, there was a lot of work behind it because so we have roller one makes the these three lines at the foot one way and roller two he does the lines thinner and closer okay. so when you when you open up a box it doesn't look uniform from from another box oh yeah and that's yeah. where we had to get you know very precise and have to get the right instruments and the right to make sure everybody's doing the same exact thing when it comes to the accents so Jake White cigars take an extra two days to uh, conclude or to finish to rather to a traditional cigar. And the guys that so when you roll the cigar, right, you 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 have the binder, you bunch it, you put it in the mold, you press it, you come out after the press, you finish it with a wrapper, you put it in a wheel and you put it inside the storage where you have it age in the aging room. And then pretty much the cigar is done. Right. You just package it. Well, for Jake Wyatt, you take up the whole wheel. And when you're in the artisanal department of Jake Wyatt factory, you take the wheel. And now that person's job, all it is, is to make these artisanal accents. So day one is just the stripes, cap and foot. And then day two, when it dries, then they come in, they put the dot within the dot. And then there's always <laughs> another dot on the cap, which you don't it off. So it always takes two extra days to finish a Jake Wyatt cigar. And um, why did we do this? Because again, you know, it was just Instagram is very influential. Yeah, uh, People want to see something new, you know, want to be catchy, want to appeal to the eye. And um, our Figurados are even more beautiful, which you guys know, those are the limited edition of each and every skew that we have. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, it's very cool that you brought up the the alignment factor because i didn't even think about that and when you see them in the when you see a single cigar like this you know with the the lines you know in the uh, at the yeah. foot right there that's one thing on its own just to get those neats and looking you know looking clean like that but yeah. then to have them to have them all lined up in a box not only do does each individual cigar have to be clean with those lines those lines have to aligned with each other with the cigar next to it so yeah yeah that that's actually yeah. more than just one element it adds it adds like 10 different elements so that's that's definitely a lot of added um you know work that your your people have to put in to make sure that the not only the cigar looks good individually but that the box looks good when it when it's opened up by the customer and thank you guys these are cigars premium cigars are works of art yeah period but what jake wyatt does is above and beyond work of art by putting this real special 
amazing attention to detail and, and art on, on their cigars. I appreciate it. Yeah, I have a picture here of the of the limited editions. I don't know if you guys can see that, but I'll move the laptop a little bit. These are our Figurados oh, yeah. right there. And those um, are the limited edition. And when it comes to the barber poles, we also have to make sure one box is all slanted to the right. And then you don't want to waste the tobacco. So you have barber poles going slanted to the left. So to not waste the tobacco, um, we totally made sure that, you know, one box is all to the right and one box is all to the left. Because at first they're mixing them together and you yeah. open up the box. And we're like, what is what's going on here? Oh, you, you have to explain everything like as if it's like fundamentally walking into an elementary school and teaching kids how to write. You know what I mean? The alphabet. Yeah. It just that's just how it is. It's just uh, and so it's it's a, a lot of work. <laughs> now, Gerard, um, on on the barber poles, are they flavor functional or is the barber pole oh, yeah. aesthetic? No. Um, so we only have two barber poles. So I'll, I'll uh, explain a little bit. Our gourmet collection has two Habanos, a Maduro that I'm smoking, Garrett smoking the Connecticut, and then we also have a Candela. Each line has a Figurado, which is considered the limited edition of its line. The barber pole are of each Habano. The others okay. are not barber poles. They just have a small little strip of ornate accent on it. It doesn't really do much for flavor. But the barber pole, they are true barber poles. We actually just made a video on um, explaining that it's not just some, you know, cigar with another strip of tobacco on the outside. They are actual two wrapper leaves staggered on top of each other and then rolled by hand in one motion. So therefore you get an actual barber pole experience. So our first Habano is a Habano with the Candela. And that is because that's what that blend is specific to. And then our other Habano, which is called the USIR, is the San Andreas Maduro with the Habano. Okay. And that is because of the blend it asks for a madura rather than a candela um so yes it makes a huge difference in the flavor and you you already mentioned the fact that you have your own factory in dominican republic now was that always the case or did you reach did you start with one factory and realized at a certain point that you in order to do things the way you wanted you needed to have your own operation no, from day one, okay, we did this all ourselves. We started okay. like a little tiny hut, like <laughs> literally a hut um, in a Dominican Republic. Uh, so what happened was, as I mentioned, I went down there and there's a bunch of factories that, um, you know, have their, uh, their, you know, doors open for business. And uh, when I came back home, I made a lot of phone calls. And one of my reps that represents a very big company, um, he said, in order for us to make you a cigar, you need to start at least with 100,000 sticks. Yeah. I said, that's nowhere near my budget. He said, you know, I have a buddy of mine, yada, yada, give him a call. 
I was like, okay, a little hesitant, but I gave him a call. His name is Joel. Uh, Joel was making his own cigars in Costa Rica. He was a retailer at one point, sold off, and then he went to Costa Rica to learn about farming, tobacco, and he started making his own cigars. And when I called him, he lives stateside, Joel does, and he was living in Texas. <clears throat> and I said, hey, such and such, give me your phone number. My name is Gerard. I'm calling because I want to make cigars. So, you know, we just hit it off. And he said, I'm actually transitioning to the Dominican Republic. I'm no longer going to be in Costa Rica. Um, when he go, do you go down to the DR? I said, yeah, I go down to the Dominican quite a bit now. Um, he said, well, I can meet you down there. I said, okay, I'm not making any promises. Went over there. Uh, he showed me around. And when I walked into the hut, I was like, there is no way on earth I'm going to make a cigar in a fucking hut. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, but the thing is, was that up to this point, I really liked what he was talking about. And he had already sent me some samples of what he does and what he works with, because I wanted to work with Olor Tobacco. And the reason why I like Olor, because of the smoothness and the tastiness of it and the creaminess of it, it's just it's really mild. So a lot of Dominicans don't really like to use it. And Joel was like, well, I love Olor. I was like, dude, this is my guy. So. Uh, I walk into the hut and he's already got like something made for me. Uh, I said, okay, I'll go ahead and I'll try it. And I was like, this is actually a very good cigar, Joel. I was like, I really like it. Um, and he said, okay, this is what I used in there. I said, okay. And then from there, we just started blending more of what I, I definitely wanted to get a very creamy, elegant, super smooth Connecticut cigar. I I'm tired and, sick and tired of like Connecticut's with that herbal grassy hay flavor. I'm just so sick of it, you know? And I was like, anytime I try a good Connecticut, it's like $15, $20, $30. It's limited. You can't find it. It's, and I'm, I'm, I'm a retailer and I can't even get it. And if I do get it, you know, I want to sell it because we want to make our money on it. We don't want to smoke it, you know? And, um, so when it came to the Connecticut, I was just really excited to be able to finally bring a creamy, elegant, cool draw, not a char, not grassy herbal hay. I just want that toastiness, that elegant cigar that like, you know, you find like in Dunhill or Davidoff White Label, Diamond Crown, you know, these brand names have it done right, but you got to pay for that. You know what I mean? And, um, and that's what I wanted to make. And that's why I wanted Olor so bad. Yeah. Uh, so once we did the Connecticut, uh, we're like, well, we need a Maduro, you know? Yeah. And so it was always our little hut at first as a factory. Then we moved. Joel, you know, was like, okay, I got to expand. So he went to a different place. So we got a bigger spot. And right now um, we're going to go down to the Dominican we're just waiting because Joel is down there and Joel became our master blender. So we became buddies. Um, so we started making nothing but Jake Wyatt. And now we just signed a lease for a 16,000 square foot spot. That's going to be, um, you know, home of Jake Wyatt cigars. And we actually partnered um, with Joel and it's going to be uh, the name of the factory is going to be called Casa Murabo. That's the name of the factory. And that's all we make since day one is just quiet cigars that's it nice well that's exciting to hear about the expansion 
definitely. Thank it's going to be a lot of work, but it's exciting news for you guys, definitely. Um, so I'd like to ask, Gerard, how has the uh, – the well, let's get to Raul's question so he doesn't have a tantrum. Um, how hard has the shortages and the logistics hit Jake Wyatt cigars over the last 18 months? Yeah, boxes and bands and shipping and that kind of stuff. Um, so we source our tobaccos from all local sources. And the tobaccos that we come across are the are the ones that the big guys don't really touch because it's not enough tobacco to yield for their production so a lot of this tobacco that i come across is you know anywhere between two to three three and a half years old you know and it's really good stuff and and that's what i grab and it's all local tobaccos and um there's a lot of tobacco that's grown in the dominican republic that people aren't aware of and so when it comes to tobacco, we don't really come across a shortage because we truly are a boutique company. Um, we don't yield a lot, a lot of cigars. Um, as of right now, we have no problem getting tobacco. There's plenty for the amount that we need to uh, yield. And when it comes to boxes, that is a pain. Uh, at first, we came out with the wooden boxes. And then from one factory... We went to another factory because, you know, just the production was always behind because there's somebody that comes in with a much bigger project, supersedes our project. So we get thrown in the back and we're like, okay, instead of a month, now we're looking at three months. And so within the meantime, we'll shift gears and go to a different factory. And this guy's probably expanding himself. So he needs business. So he'll take us on. And then same thing happens. You know, he gets bigger contracts. We get thrown in the back burner. And then also what happened um, recently was, yes, absolutely the shortage of wood and then COVID having people running on, you know, 60% capacity. Um, we didn't want to, you know, resort to bundles. So what we did is we went with the, um, with the uh, manufactured wood um, and that's, you know, like MDF type of wood. Yeah. And that's what we went to because that stuff's more machine made. And it's a lot faster and you can just, you know, basically get stuff done for, you know, I mean, by the time you make one wood box, you can make like five, the MDF stuff. So, yeah, we're, okay, we're just going to do that for now until we find a solution because we don't want to do bundles. Yeah. Um, but other than that, when it comes to the bands and all that, we just have the right connections and, uh, you know, you, you have to buy them bulk. So therefore you don't run out. So whenever you do come into a bind, like during COVID, you have enough bands. Um, but us being a smaller production company, it didn't really hit us as hard as uh, some of the bigger guys. Um, I mean, all in all, the industry is still flourishing. It, it really is. It's crazy how many uh wood box factories are opening up in the Dominican Republic. It's just, they can't keep up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and um, I want to go back to an earlier comment that um, Jay Davis is watching right now. And Jay is a huge retailer from the Dallas area and also a member of the PCA board. Um, yes. Jay carries our product. We, we talk. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and he mentioned earlier that uh, he was just talking specifically about the blends, saying they're quite good, excellent balance and flavor. 
similar house style to Arturo Fuente. And that's, I wanted to bring that up because I, I'm not super experienced with smoking Jake White cigars. This is maybe the second or third that I've smoked, but it's not, I want to get across to our viewers and our listeners that as beautiful as the cigars are, and they are beautiful and they really do stand out on the shelf. When it comes down to what cigar smokers expect from a cigar, which is flavor, balance, good burn, this cigar delivers that in spades. This cigar, the, 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 the flavor from this cigar is very, very good. The burn is exceptional. The, the retrohale is blowing my mind. I, I love the retrohale on this cigar, this uh, uh, Herbert Spencer Robusto I'm smoking right now. Uh, Thank you. So it's it's I just want to get across to our viewers and listeners. It's this is as again as beautiful as they are, but they deliver where cigar smokers expect them to deliver, and that is flavor and performance. So don't don't be don't be shy thinking that it's just a a, a, a pretty a, a pretty package. It's also a very good cigar. And our viewers and listeners will know my history with retro hailing. They, they know it well. <laughs> yeah. Not a pretty story. But what I will tell you, the flavor and smoothness of this cigar, I've been able to retrohale it several times now. And I haven't, I haven't vomited yet, have I? I haven't. No, no. So uh, this There's cigar, still time, Garrett. There's still time. There is still time. <laughs> um, this Appendix 2 is stupid i love when i am able to retro uh, a cigar and get that experience so for those of you who like myself have a difficult time with retro hailing and it destroying your sinuses this is a cigar that will not do that and uh i'm not giving a no vomit guarantee because that's a step that some may need to develop over time i'm <laughs> working on it but i will tell you this is a cigar that you should try it it is fantastic now gerard i wanted to uh ask about your uh the sprawl and the the sales strategy that you guys took when you decided to to launch and, and go out where did you start and what was you know, really that, that initial strategy of, of, uh, getting your cigars out into the market. Um, well, uh, I've been in the industry for quite some time. Uh, I have a lot of friends that, you know, are shop owners. Um, we have our own retail, uh, channel as well. So when we launched February, uh, 12th of 2020, which was the same day, my son, my second son was born um you know we we're pretty excited and then COVID hit and uh pretty much everybody was shutting down um i don't know why uh that didn't even like phase me because i wasn't even thinking about hitting the road i wasn't even thinking about any other cigar shops um uh, at the time i just wanted i was more concerned about how the cigars are performing right so <laughs> my first year it was just like hyper hyper focused neurotic kind of like you know testing my product and so what we did is um, i obviously approached a lot of my friends that have cigar shops and uh you know kind of forced them to carry my product i'm like hey, <laughs> your 
you're a friend of mine, you're buying my product, you know, and they all did. Uh, but you know how it is. They just put it on the shelf and they're like, you know, it's, it's, we did your favor. I'm like, no, dude, you got to sell it. But anyway, <laughs> COVID didn't allow me to strong hand them. So strong arm them, but whatever. Uh, I don't know if that's even the right term right now, but, but what I did is I utilized our retail online, um, channel to really put the brand out there and get the recognition it deserved and then also uh we used you know a, a couple of marketing um companies that are familiar with the uh, industry that are part of the industry um when we started raising some of the funds obviously the trade shows really really help uh but more than anything honestly i think it's um the, the confidence that I, I have behind our product, it's like, I will not take a, I will not take a no for an answer because I know how good this product is. And the thing is, is that also uh, overcoming a lot of objections, you know, a lot of people have objections. It's like, well, it's a mild cigar. I'm like, okay, what's a strong cigar that you smoke? And they tell me a strong cigar. I'm like, well, that's not even a strong cigar. Yeah. That's, a, that's a medium cigar. I mean, what, right. what are you talking about? Yeah. Or they tell me a cigar that, you know, is like, you know, it's this or this or that. And I'm like, okay, try this. If you like this, try this. And they're like, well, I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up. Try this. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like that part of me comes out and I start getting really forward and, and, um, and they try it and they look at me and they're like, oh my God, like, dude, oh, I'm impressed. Like, whoa, you made this? I'm like, fuck off, dude, douchebag. <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck do you think I've been doing for the last 20-something years of my life? You know what I mean? It's like I've been smoking cigars since I was 19, been a retailer, been going to uh, – you name it. I I mean, I eat, slip shit cigars. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's like, yes, I know what you like. Like, try this, you know? And people were saying, for like, dude, actually, this is really, really good. I'm like, I know, dude. It's like <laughs> – you know, and they're like, well, when are you going to come out with a strong cigar? Believe me, you will know when I come out with a strong cigar. I will tell the whole world. And yeah. right now we don't have any strong cigars because there's a lot of them and a lot of them taste like crap. And I really want to make something really cool and original. But um, so, you know, I, I mean, I, I sound a little cocky sometimes when it comes to cigars because, you know, I am. I'm very cocky when it comes to cigars and I'm very, very blessed. You know, I. I, I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, but, you know, at, at one point in my life, you know, my parents sent me to some of the best schools in the world, you know, and there I learned about, you know, uh, table manners and when it came to, you know, developing a palate and eating caviar and, you know, I'm not into spirits. It's been a long time. I just don't drink anymore. But so when it came to tasting cigars, I was like, this tastes like dog shit. And people are like, what do you mean, dude? It's such and such brand. I'm like, I don't care who owns the brand. They're just slapping a brand on there and they're selling it because they have the name and you're a sucker for buying it and you don't have a palate. And they're like, dude, you're a dick. I'm like, well, <laughs> let me teach you something, you know? And then we'd sit and we'd talk about cigars. And then they're like, dude, how do you know so much about palates? You know, it's just, I was just raised with, with, with a lot of good food in my life, you know, and I started learning, like, you know, the other, this weekend, um, we went to a restaurant, right? And we were in a beach town and we went to this Mexican restaurant and it was packed. I mean, packed, right? And it's expensive. And my wife 
and her sister wanted to eat there. I was like, whatever. I'll just, you know, we'll go. And I just wanted to go to a hole in the wall taco place, you know, and I know it's good over there because I'm a local with this beach city area and yeah. this restaurant. I never go there because I don't know, it just doesn't appeal to me. And uh, I sat there and then they gave my son a taco and it's carne asada and I got a bone de gas soup and I gave my son the taco. He's eating it. He's eating it. And I looked at, looked at the meat and I took a piece of the meat. I was kind of turned off. My wife was like, what's wrong? I go, the meat is old. She's like, how do you know? I go, because it's chalky, it's gamey, it's not juicy, and it's very, very dry. It's just, it's it's, it's old meat, Erica. And then I ate my abondagas, and it's not even real abondagas. It's not like true abondagas. Like, you know, they have a date next to the menu saying, oh, this is a recipe from 1922. I don't give a fuck where it's from. This is not true abondagas. You know what I mean? So these are the kind of things like, you know, my wife's like, sometimes she she just like, it's kind of surprised, like how could a, you know, a, a guy like me that just wears a t-shirt around has this, this, this taste. I don't know. I don't know if I was born with it, but I can tell. So when it came to making the cigars, I wanted that really beautiful, flavor forward, elegant, not offensive. And you're able to retrohale it. When you're done with the cigar, you don't have to spit your, you savor You're like, like, man, that was a yummy cigar. And I don't have yeah. to take a nap. I'm not all fucked up on all that and nicotine, you know? It's 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 enjoyable, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's and it doesn't cost a lot of money. That's elegance, you know what I mean? It's it's when you want to do something again. And that's what Jake White's all about is us giving you that five star service mm-hmm. with a three star price tag, you know. Um, I, I love this product, I really do. Yeah, and I, I I love the the uh, I love the attitude. Honestly, I mean, I think there's something to be said for knowing that you know how your your own product is supposed to taste and smell and look and feel because of experience that you have. There's no I I don't understand why there. There, there are a lot of people in the world today, especially in the cigar community, who think that you shouldn't uh, be outspoken about stuff like that. I see no reason why you shouldn't be outspoken about it. I mean, this is your blood, sweat, and tears, your money, your time. And not only did you put in the money and the time and the blood, sweat, and tears, but like you said, you have the experience. You know what these things are supposed to taste like and smell like. And... Um, well, and let's look at the brands that um, where the the ambassador, the owners aren't outspoken. What happens to those brands? It can be a great cigar, but yeah. that cigar is gone. So by, you know, with with your energy, with that confidence, with your knowledge of not only retail part through years of relationships in the industry and understanding how that works and you know you've brought an incredible product to the market and you're doing it with flair and it's gonna you're gonna kill it appreciate it appreciate it and there's also you know not every single cigar is going to taste and burn the same it it is a natural product you know what i mean and um, the herbert spencer truth be told the six by 54 
is my least favorite size. It, it, uh, a Gordo, I don't even touch a Gordo in my own product. It's just, it's too mild for me. You know, I, I like uh, Robusto. Uh, the 6x52 bit the belly that you're smoking here, actually, that's the biggest ring gauge I'll go. The 6x52 is a perfect balance. But when I want to go a little stronger, I got Robusto or Corona. And that taught me a big lesson when it comes to a cigar that I've never tried before, a brand. Before I say I don't like it, I got to try at least every single size yeah. within its portfolio. Unless I hit the home run right off the bat because, you know, like the um, Guardian of the Farm, the Apollo is a yeah. Corona. People told me this is a great, great cigar. And I tried the Apollo. I was, oh, my God, it's such a good cigar. I've never touched any other sizes. I got lucky. I was handed the best out of the portfolio, yeah. according to a lot of people. And to yeah. me, yes, it is. So before I knock knock down a cigar, I got to try every single size because, you know, the Toro may get, you know, the biggest publicity, but you never know. Maybe the, like the short belly Cozo is like the best cigar in that portfolio. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, so when it came to our cigars, we had to... Mm. Uh, adjust every single blend according to its size and that's very very hard to do you know especially when you get in a bigger ring gauge you're going to have more filler to the to the ratio of the wrapper so therefore you're going to get more air you're going to have more seco in there because you got to have that balanced burn and then seco has a lot of flavor but it's really mild mm -hmm. so it doesn't burn as hot and i like my cigars a little hotter i do um so that's why i'll go with like robusto corona uh six yeah. by 52 is 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 about it for me yeah i'm in the same place it I, depends on the cigar you know yeah and there are there are rare everybody knows this who watches our show there are rare occasions where a blend works really well for me in a big ring gauge but typically for me it's 46 to 52 ring gauge is is where i feel comfortable and where i get where where i feel like i get the most from what i think the blender was trying to make i don't know every blender is different you know yeah I mean? yeah it is and you know another thing that our, our viewers uh, you know have heard not only us talk about but other guests that we've had on the show is that uh, uh vitolas don't scale you know, appropriately with the ratios. You don't just scale it down and the cigar smokes the same. Like Jake or like uh, Gerard, you were just saying that um, you got to play with the different tobacco yeah, ratios of filler and, and, and all that. It's not just lessening it to make it smaller, you know, to go from Lancero to Robusto, there is a lot of work that goes into making that blend. Yeah. And then our second, uh, our second collection is called the Connoisseur Collection, which only we have one cigar. It's the Lithium, and that cigar um, we just came out with the Lancer. We're going to be uh, shipping out those orders pretty soon here, within the next two weeks, as soon as they arrive. But when we made that Lancero, so the Lithium is does not have any ornate accents to it. That cigar, I really, really focus on a uh, on a, on the retro hail for that cigar, and so that has a Corojo binder, Habano wrapper. Anyway, 
Uh, so I was like, okay, we're going to do the Robusto, Corona, the Toro, and then the Bellicoso, which is a 109 cap, because they're all pigtailed. But okay. the Belly is a 109 cap. So we're like, okay, um, people keep saying Lancero, Lancero. They're like, all right, let's, let, let's make a fucking Lancero, make these people <laughs> happy. And so when it came to the lithium, I was really excited because I was like, dude, I wonder how powerful this Lancero is going to be because it's not going to have as much filler. And uh, so we, we make it, we let it sit for a while, let it age so we can see what's going to happen when it marries. And dude, it was so mild. We're like, what? And it was like really uh, took me back because I was like, how's this mild? It just, it didn't make any sense. So we had to take out the Seco and bump up the Viso. Um, or you don't really say call v we just say viso fundamentally so people yeah. but we had to get a little bit thicker leaves to get a little bit more of that oomph so yeah. you never know what's going to happen with a cigar uh just because you go a smaller ring gauge doesn't mean it'll just go stronger you have to test the product out you really really do yeah absolutely so what you know like we talked about you know the the brand launch was you know during a, a time in the world that unfortunately there was a lot of weird shit going on but you know you guys have really really made a splash um and now as you look forward because we're barely into 2022 so as yes. you look as you look ahead to the rest of this year what are what are your biggest goals as far as as uh whether it's new accounts whether it's more customer engagement social media stuff what what are you hoping to to really get across in the rest of this year well um we definitely want to service our accounts like there's nobody's business i think it comes down to relationships and taking care of our accounts really well uh so in order to do that you know what we've done is um We've definitely taken a look at what our uh, dealers are requesting. It's not always so much about the cigar, but it's always also about the relationship, the way we stand behind our product. And also we take a, a, a good hearing of what our, our accounts want. Um, it, it, could, it, could, it could come from like the, the accounting side of it. It can come from the packaging side of it. Um, you know, we never thought about shelf talkers. We always thought shelf talkers were very, very annoying. You know, it's really ugly. It's just a lot of loose paper everywhere. It just kind of makes your, cheapens your humidor. You know what I mean? And oh, so contrary, the majority of our, you know, retailers are like, we need shelf talkers. We need shelf talkers. We're like, really? You guys want shelf talkers? Like I thought, me being a retailer, I always threw away shelf talkers. I hated stuff hanging all over my shelves. You yeah. know, I just didn't like it. But um, in today's day and age, it's a lot different when it comes to shelf talkers because um, for the longer shelf talkers were always just a big logo. It was the name of the brand. You know yeah. what I mean? Now, uh, shelf talkers that we use are actually, you know, it talks about the wrapper, the filler, the binder, what kind of tasting notes you should be, uh, you know, noticing in our product. So we had to really design our shelf talkers uh, so therefore it actually, uh, you know, offers something, you know, it's actually a performing uh, piece of literature. So therefore it really helps push our product when it's new. So nobody even knows our product. You walk into a humidor, you see it, you're like, okay, I wonder what do the accents give flavor? Did it not give flavor? What's it taste like? Where is it from? 
So these shelf talkers have been really, really monumental um, when it comes to uh, pushing our product and helping our retailers too, because they don't get to always smoke every single thing that we make either. You know what I mean? Yeah. They smoke some, they're like, I like your product, I trust the rest of it, so I'll, I'll carry the whole entire line. So when it comes to their uh, clients, they need something. So therefore, the consumer like, oh, dude, that sounds good. You know, I'll buy it. Um, that That is big. Um, you know, we're gearing up for PCA. Last year, PCA was huge for us. Huge, yeah. huge. Um, uh, a lot of the PCA board members actually were uh, very supportive of our product. They started carrying it in their stores. And then word of mouth went around. And, um, you know, they also threw an article for us in their magazine, which was a four page article in the last quarter of 2021 that assisted us quite a bit of phone calls. So um, the factory is our main focus right now to get that built out, uh, to get back in there, make sure that our production is still uh, quality. Um, and that's really it, man. That's a, that's a lot of work in itself right there, building out the factory yeah. and making sure your quality is still on par. So that's what the focus on 2022. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So, Garrett, I think, is it time? Oh, I think it's time. I think it's time. All right, everybody. It is time for this week's Numero de los Muertos. And as always, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke in Numero de los Muertos, episode 147. Garrett, what do you have for us this week? This week, I've got, it's a 10-year average, which excludes 2020. But 20 people, on average, 21 people a year die here. In a place. So we're we're not looking for a cause this time. We're looking for a place, or are we looking for both? Mm -mm. Nope, a place. A place. All right. So as always, viewers, uh, you guys join us with twenty questions. Gerard and I are gonna try to narrow this down and figure out a place where, on average, is it average? You said average. On average, twenty people a year die in this place. In a coffin. That's hilarious, Skip. In a that coffin. That's is great. Very good guess. But no. <laughs> uh, Grand Canyon. That's a good guess. In nope. a coffin. Jay's also got jokes. <laughs> is it um, usually is they're it dead before they get in the coffin. Is it a confined space or is it like it could be anything? Is huh. It's not a confined space. So it's like a city. Are you looking for a geographical area? Yeah. Yes, and um, more. Okay. Um, is it in North America? Yes. 
Can, can I guess or no? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That's what this is all about. Disneyland? No. Uh, That'd be a good one to look up. Um, could, it, could it be where you're at? Could I say where you're at? You can. New Orleans? It is. Okay. Uh, all right. So he's topical. I, I know. I, I think I know the answer, but I don't know if I'm Do supposed it. to say it. Mardi Gras? Yes. Okay. Mardi Gras. So holy shit. Great guess. Wait a minute. 20 people a year die at Mardi Gras? Every uh, year. Alcohol poisoning, rape, murder, who knows? Oh, man. Have you, have you been in New Orleans during Mardi Gras? Not during Mardi Gras. I was there for oh, New Year's. Oh, my God. You should was... see the day afterwards, bro. It is pew piss central. It is disgusting. Oh, but yeah, I will that's... say that, and I don't know when the last time you were here, Gerard, um, the, the cleanup that they do. So the first night we were here, we came down, uh, not quite to the French Quarter, but pretty close. And we took a uh, rickshaw back and the street sweepers and the, the cleaning crews, it was fantastic. Going down there the next day, it was like a totally new street. Um, so hmm. they do. But it, but it probably still smelled like piss. Depends on where you were. <laughs> we did, uh, we did like uh, sit on this little uh, building ledge where there was a grate behind us, you know, to just kind of uh, sit for a second and get our things together. And I was like, and you realize oh, that yeah. gr that grate is where everybody goes to take a dump. <laughs> yeah, last oh time God. I was there, I think it was like 2011. How long ago was that? Ten years ago? Ten years ago. So 10, did yeah, you yeah, uh years. did you go to pat o'brien's no no okay i wasn't sure if you were going to make it to pat there's so many places we didn't get to go yeah and do you know well, you'll just have to go back again absolutely we will definitely be back again yeah i want to i want to go back again and drink less so that i actually remember more of the more of the trip yeah and just like all the all the people here have been fantastic but it depends on how, who you talk to. So John Strange, who's with me, and um, you know, he had talked to people who were like, "Careful, you will get murdered, death." Oh, you, please. You, you know, and and then we'll talk to an Uber driver who was like, "This is the best city in the world," and you know, yeah. we just love everybody. And uh, but you know, like right now we're at this uh, cigar bar called uh, you know Cuban Creations. Nice. And uh, this this place, so the owner Joe is fantastic. When I you know called him and asked if I could do the podcast from here, he was you know awesome. The guy Chris, who's working the humidor, the dude is fantastic. So the hospitality, not only in this place but also in the city, has just been top notch. Nice, but. Uh, twenty people ish a year die at Mardi Gras. Just yeah, don't don't go to Mardi Gras. Go don't go to Mardi. Go to New Orleans some other time of the year. Don't go during Mardi Gras. I don't know. But Mardi Gras was, was fun. My brother my brother lived in New Orleans for about eight years, and that's when I went to go visit him. And it was over New Year's, and it happened to also be that there was a bowl game or something going on. I mean, this was thirty years ago, and and we're we're you know, 
very young and stupid at the time. So we're just getting absolutely slaughtered, blackout drunk every night and, you know, getting back home at 6 a.m. and waking up at 7 p.m. to go out and do the same thing all over. It was just a ridiculous, stupid time. Well, and speaking, so Rich, speaking of hurricanes, um, uh, those who know, uh, I've been sober for several years, uh, though my wife does enjoy uh, the, the leaded variety. We've had, you know, she's had hurricanes at, you know, a few of the places because that's the drink you get here. Yeah. Well, I was curious if any place offered non-alcoholic hurricanes. What's the point? Well, I, I, I'm with you. What's the point? But I was just curious if any place offered a not because basically it seen. would be it would just be the, the pretty hurricane shaped glass with Kool-Aid and pineapple juice in it. Basically. I just have a Perrier. So, oh, there you go. Yeah, but not a not a one of them has looked like the other. Yeah, they all look vastly different. Yeah, and everybody claims that they're the original maker of the hurricane. <laughs> Even most most people say it's Pat O'Brien's, but all the bars who make and serve hurricanes say we're the ones who originated the hurricane. It's like, uh, who do you believe? So, Garrett, are you a friend of Bill Wilson? Oh yes, twenty. Nearly 27 years. Wow. Good for you, buddy. I'm a yeah. friend of Bill's, too. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. That, it's a wonderful, wonderful club to be a part of. Yeah, it'll be 21 Saturday. Dope. Yeah, it's cool. It's a much it easier is. way. Yeah, and so um, I do partake in the unleaded good. varieties. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good NA beers. Yeah, this isn't necessarily one of them, but... Yeah, Heineken NA is not very good, but there there are a lot of good ones. There are. My, my life used to be a hurricane. <laughs> or or should I say I was the hurricane. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, that was this week's Numero de los Muertos. All right, so let's jump into the lightning round. And the lightning round is brought to us by our friends at J.C. Newman Cigar Company. They are America's oldest family-owned premium cigar maker, creators of popular Brickhouse, Perla Del Mar, Diamond Crown, and The American. J.C. Newman Cigar Company operates out of their 112-year-old El Rolo factory in historic Cigar City, Tampa, Florida. For more information on their cigars or their visitor experience, visit jcnewman.com. And don't forget, guys, go to howaboutthatcigar.com. And you will see a graphic just like this on the right side of your screen uh, and click right there where it says enter to win. And it'll take you to a page where you can enter to win that beautiful diamond crown whiskey set with the glasses and the whiskey stones. So be sure to go to howaboutthatcigar.com to enter to win that fabulous prize. So lightning round time, Gerard, Yeah. if you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Jesus Christ. Live. Oh, wow. Well, living, living person. But, well, hey, 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 I'm, I, there's a dichotomy there. I'm, I'm, there I'm, is. I'm identifying with that, but let's go with, let's go with somebody who's still wearing a okay. suit of, a suit of skin. Uh, 
A lightning round. Okay. Uh, what's it going through their head right now? Okay. Who would I want to talk? Uh, Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. So, very, very good answer. I would love to hear what's going, going on in his head. I don't think I'd be able to keep up with it, but I'd love to hear it. And why? Yeah, why? I would be very intrigued, intellectual, probably thinking outside of the box, out of this world, fourth dimension type of stuff, you know, just blow my mind. You know, so I would definitely yeah, I'm pretty know. I'm pretty sure a mind like that would make mine explode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same here. All right. Um, Gerard, if you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be? Uh probably Thunderstruck from A C D C. Excellent answer. It's a classic that will yeah. never and never become a be popular wrong. answer as of late. That's right. That's right. All right, so choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher. You could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman. You could score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie, or you could score a goal in a soccer game as the goalie. Oh, football, defensive lineman, definitely. Great choice. Yeah. Great choice. I love watching the the defensive the big lineman boys score run. touchdowns. Oh. Yeah, watch the big boys run. I love it. Love it. Um, all right. So now let's move into this week's Notable Smokable. And as always, Notable Smokables brought to us by our friends at Ace Prime Cigars. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. So, Gerard, each week we name a cigar that we smoked recently that was interesting to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we just smoked for the first time in a long time or it could be a cigar that we tried for the first time ever. So obviously you're mostly smoking Jake Wyatt cigars, but is there anything outside of your own wheelhouse, outside of your brand that you smoked recently that really caught your interest? Yeah, um, this is going to be unfair to a lot of people because a lot of people can't get their hands on them. But the Liga Pravada Year to Tiger was actually pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Jealous. Very nice. Yeah, jealous. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the year that I mean, they're the 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 Chinese Zodiac has been big with certain brands for many years, but it seems like Year of the Tiger, every brand is coming out with a Year of the Tiger cigar. Not every brand, but many more brands than used to participate in that. Um, and it's kind of cool to see everybody's different uh, version of of a Year of the Tiger cigar. So, oh my goodness. Hey, John Strange, the sober cigar. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. How's it going? Good to see you again. Life is beautiful. How's New Orleans treating you? It's it's been good, actually. It's um it's been crazy. It's been really really busy. But as Garrett said, the, the people have been fantastic. Um, I've managed not to be one of those people murdered, so it's been good. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the night is still young, and I've still got more people to piss off. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you've still got plenty of time. I've got loads. <laughs> um, um, I brought John on to talk about my uh, cigar of uh, my notable smokable, which was uh, a Padron 40th that uh, I smoked uh, with John on the rooftop of our hotel the other night to uh, just celebrate his birthday. He had uh, his 26th birthday. Uh, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> and well, uh, John had his first real opus. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, cheers on your uh, on your birthday, brother. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. 
one day at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Another sober guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a sober yeah. guy from, from Belfast, you wouldn't have thought it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's ironic. So my uh, my notable this week was uh, the Christoph Sumatra. Uh, it's one of the one of the Christoph cigars that uh, I I sort of enjoyed from the very beginning of learning about the Christoph brand years ago, uh, and still still a, a Christoph that I reach for regularly. So uh, what size? Uh, it was the Toro size. Just uh, just a few days ago, um, smoked that. So, uh, so yeah, that was this week's Notable Smokable brought to us by Ace Prime, improving lives through fine cigars. Visit aceprime.com to learn more. So, to give our viewers and listeners an idea of some very cool stuff we have coming up in the next few weeks. Next, uh, I almost said Sunday, not Sunday, next Monday night on the 28th, uh, we have Sin Coburn from Dissident Cigars. And then on the first Monday in March, if you can believe it, we're already going to be in March very soon. And we're going to talk to uh, Brian and Angelo from Founders Cigar Company. We got to know them uh, briefly at the Cigars and Baseball event last year in uh, in St. Paul. And uh, very exciting new company, veteran owned and um you know, we uh, we had a short conversation with Angelo at the trade show, but excited to talk to Brian and Angelo this time and get the full story on their brand and their blends. Uh, so that is coming up on the 7th. Uh, so, Gerard, give our viewers and listeners the final plug. Where is the best place for them to keep up with all the latest and greatest info from Jake Wyatt Cigars? Uh, Instagram, big time. Jake okay. White Cigars on Instagram. We have our website, of course, jakewhitecigars.com. But Instagram is it, man. That's where you want to be. Um, also, get with your retailers, ask them what's coming out new. And uh, that's basically it. Instagram. Excellent. Well, you've got a you've got a great website. I just want to yeah, the website is very oh, very you. well done. The uh, the retail locator is fantastic. So uh, also check out the website if uh, if Let's say, Gerard, they don't have a retailer close to them. Where may they find your cigars? Um, well, I mean, Jay Davis is very, very involved in social media. So if you guys know Jay Davis, he nobody will knows Jay. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> nobody knows. Everybody knows. Um, also, there are some online retailers, so you can use Google and just type in Jake White Cigars. You'll see some online retailers that do ship out. Uh, definitely. Uh, there's some cigarsdirect.com. Uh, gosh, Sir Louis Cigars. He's on Instagram quite a bit. Um, there's so many uh, online. There's like a lot of the guys from uh, Smokers Abbey. They have websites. A lot of people are having websites now. So you'll find yeah. it. Google yeah. it and you'll definitely find an online retail that has it. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, Gerard, we cannot thank you enough for being on episode 147 of How About oh, yeah, That Cigar Live. Uh, and, and as Raul says, uh, in the Twin Cities area here in Minnesota, uh, you can find them uh, at, uh, very soon. They'll, they'll, they will be on the shelf available uh, next week uh, at Sodi's. Uh, I think we already shipped it to them. Yeah, they are shipped. They haven't, they're not priced out and on the shelf yet, but oh, they okay. will be very soon. So, yeah. 
So thank you so much, Gerard, for being on the show. We really appreciate getting to know you and getting to know your story and look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, viewers and listeners, guys, we, we appreciate you so much. You are the best part of How About That Cigar. Thank you so much for watching us on Facebook and YouTube and especially for listening on the audio podcast. As always, if you guys have questions for Garrett or myself, please email us on the website, howaboutthatcigar.com. Follow us on all social media at HBT Cigar. And of course, until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. See you guys. Thanks, everybody.